This is Grown Up and Grounded, a podcast about growing up and being a grown up, about getting grounded and staying grounded. Join us, two women, a mother and a daughter, who talk about everything. Today we're going to be discussing the idea of the middle child becoming extinct. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. I don't know how you want to start. How about with the fact that you have not wished me a happy birthday? Oh my gosh, that's right. It's your birthday today. (laughs) I mean, I knew it last night before I went to bed. I'm like, Kate's birthday's tomorrow. And Dad's like, I've already been texting her. I'm like, well, hi ho to you. And um, yeah, he texted. He was the first one to text me this morning, too. Well, that's because he's up at three in the morning. That's not really fair. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to make that a competition with you guys. Oh, sure. It sounded like it a little bit. No, just more like, you know, with my friends. Oh. <laughs> he knew it was your birthday. I knew it was your birthday, too. But somehow I got so busy this morning. I've got so much going on. It just slipped my mind mm-hmm. since I've been mm-hmm. How terrible. The worst mother ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The worst thing you could have possibly done. Well, we are talking about middle, middle children today. So it just is part of the course. I know it's so apt. Yeah, let's talk about that. How did we arrive on middle children, Mom? Like, how did we get to this uh, this article and this point we're going to discuss? I I don't know if it's in our in our podcast notes, but at one point it was. It might I might have saved it all mm. in somewhere else besides our podcast notes. And uh, I was just thinking of just the way things are changing in the world, and that's one of the things that. It's actually, it was this article, mm-hmm. but it was printed in a different magazine, um, and then other magazines mm. picked it up, and I was able to find the article. And, but if you look at, if you Google the extension of the middle child, there are all kinds of articles about it. And there was even one mm-hmm. trying to say it's not really true, or it depends on how you gather your statistics, but he was really re- making a reach to, like, twist the statistics to say it's not as bad I as mean, it sounds. I mean, I... Yeah, I feel like I could definitely see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a lie. Basically, the statistics prove that, uh, where are these here? In 1976, families were more than three children. Uh, Back then, 40% of mothers between 40 and 44 had four or more children. Uh, 25% had three kids, 24 had two, and 11% had one. And now mm-hmm. uh, nearly two-thirds of all women with children now have two or one. And, and that's, that's it. it. Um, and there was also an article that blamed millennials. <laughs> There's an article that blames millennials for everything. Well, and I was like, if you're looking at historical data, like, I mean, I get it. Millennials are on the cusp, but that also includes the generation before millennials. Because you're talking about women 40 to 44 and how many children they've had. So millennial family planning doesn't necessarily tie in. Yeah. And I mean, even the article that we are going to discuss, which we will have to give more information on soon, but even that article says that a lot of it is to do with um, financial factors that like three children are viewed as what, like a sign of wealth now. Well, and even being LDS, like I know a lot of women at church, because a lot of LDS have four kids or more, um, and some have less, but I mean, for the, the majority, they find 
they fall outside of the curve on this. Uh, but they would talk about, like some of my friends would talk about how people would say, why do you have so many kids? Like, what are, just like, look in mm-hmm. this, you know. And they weren't millennials, so yeah. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's it's an interesting thing, and this kind this article is good. Not interesting. Not interesting. It is very strange thought-provoking? and thought provoking to think that the middle child could essentially go away and be an anomaly. It is. Uh, but it's also not totally unbelievable. I mean, like, <clears throat> I can see how we've arrived at this point for sure. Well. Let's just start. Okay, so the article that we're talking about is an article by Adam Sternberg from 2018, the middle titled "The mm-hmm. Middle Child Is Going Extinct" or "The Extinction of the Middle Child," depending on where you find it. Um, I'm sorry. What was the author's name again? Adam Sternberg. Hmm. Okay. So I just want to say that I thought it was funny because the first thing he starts talking about is Middle Child Day. And how it's August 12th, mm-hmm. 2018, but hardly anybody knows, which is just perfect for Middle Child Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I read this, I put that on the <laughs> calendar, too, just so that I wouldn't forget. And then I could, you know, pester you guys about uh, it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. And I, I don't know if it was this article. It was another article that I read. I think that there's a group trying to change it to July 1st, June 1st. Because that's the middle of the year. Mm. I mean, there is a whole group of middle children uh, support supporters. Clearly, I need to become a part of that group. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can find that article again so I can let you know their name. Hmm. That's really funny. <clears throat> the one thing that this article does not address is uh, if this is just a problem in the United States. Like... I guess it doesn't address if it's a worldwide trend. It, it focuses more on the United States. Yeah, it, it seems to me, just based off of what I read on this article, that it, this is pretty specifically referring to the United States. Uh, Which is fine. Well, I know there there is an article. Is it Germany? Like there, I saw an article that was referring to... They're having trouble getting people to have kids. Uh, like in, in general Germany, at yeah. all? I think it was Germany. See, that seems like more of a millennial thing to me. Just because of the financial aspect of being a, a millennial. Especially like a millennial sort of on the younger side like yeah. I am. Yeah. Very much so. Interesting to think about. <laughs> I used it. Interesting. Don't say I said interesting. It to be funny that, time. that was purposeful. Uh, okay. Well, and I'm just kind of glancing at the article again um, because it does refer to the financial, basically looking at uh, New York um, and just saying that there is a set of affluent New Yorker New Yorkers who are going for a third mm-hmm. child, which I thought even just that term. Um, this is from a New York Times article he references. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 
at some it says at some level the third child is a proxy for having enough wealth to have a very comfortable life yeah well i mean yeah especially it's as like college how becomes in, more expensive and everything it just everything becomes more expensive and i mean i think about like I compare it to back in the days when like being fat was a sign of wealth, you know, because it means you could like afford good food mm-hmm. and lots of food and stuff. And this is kind of like today's evolution of that. Yeah. Definitely. So let's talk about why is in this article. It says <clears throat> middle children are going extinct just when we need them the most. Obviously that's the part that's the most important to me. Why do we need middle mm-hmm. children? Well, the article concludes that they are basically natural peace givers and uh, peacemakers, I should say. And they fall in between that category of how uh, the oldest child is seen as a go-getter and uh, aggressive and all of these things, like the CEO and the younger child is considered the baby who needs nurturing, et cetera. And so the middle falls somewhere in between there and uh, helps balance things out. And also, according to the article, just even with like normal sibling squabbles, they're usually viewed as the peacemaker, which I can kind of relate to. Um, But hang on, I got to get my notes because I definitely have some. Um... It, it, I, I did think that it was interesting that there was some statistics that back up, um, first of all, that oldest children typically go for, like, are more disproportionately CEOs. Like, that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Sorry, not interesting. That is a new information that I was um, captivated mm-hmm. by. And um, it says that middle children are disproportionately comedians as well, which I also thought was kind of the funny. youngest. <clears throat> I thought it said middle mm-hmm. children. Youngest weren't. kids grow up to be com- comedians. Oldest CEOs. Oh. Well, there goes that. <laughs> what I was going to say next. So never mind. Um, I guess I read it wrong. It's okay. Um, but it did say some middle child traits that I wanted to talk about too, which kind of relates to like why we need them right now. It did talk about being a natural mediator just because of the mm-hmm. role. Um, something that I thought was funny was that it said um, they're usually private but sort of starved for affection. Mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to starved for affection. I, was, I know. Uh, I didn't think but private really private, worked out for you. Yeah, definitely doesn't work for me. I definitely am an oversharer who wants everybody to know my life and be friends with me and like me. Um, and so, I mean, that's kind of funny because, you know, obviously there's statistics to back up all of these things. I um, used to think that, like, I – would be the picture in the dictionary next to like middle child mm-hmm. syndrome, right? Like I have it, you know, our middle children, I have it to a T, but now I'm like, Oh, I guess there's some things that I don't have like being private. Um, but you're also, let's clarify though, because you have that conundrum of the oldest child and not conundrum, but you have that mix of because Danae, there's such a gap and Danae left the house uh, when you were 10. So you have like this mix of oldest child and middle child. I guess that is true. Uh, I forget that that kind of plays a role, but yeah, that does change things a little bit, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? 
Um, it also says that middle children have less intimate parental relationships usually, and that means that they usually seek out more or have more mm-hmm. friends. Oof. Obviously, that's not true for me either. Uh, I have very close relationships with you. I don't know if you know that we have a podcast uh, where we talk. Yeah, and I also but, am fully aware that you tell me way too much stuff. <laughs> way too much. I tell you stuff all the time. Uh, stuff you don't want to know. Um, but I do have a lot of friends too. Like I make a lot of friends. Right, but I mean that's a that's a, a development in your twenties. Let's let's be honest. There. I mean, I feel like I was like that in high school, too. Okay, I'll give you that. You are the type, then, though, wherever we go, we make a friend. Like, even when you were little, if we would go to a park, even if we were out of town and would go to a park, you would make a friend, and Becca would just play. Like, you know, <laughs> and be fine with that. And you always had someone that you're like, hey, let's hang out. What's your name? Here's my name. Yeah, you're not going to shake me now. so much when I was little. Do you want to be my friend? <laughs> Yeah, and then it would be like, I would be talking to the mom, oh, yeah, we're not from here, sorry, we can't have a play date next week, you know, it was, but <laughs> at McDonald's, you would make friends at McDonald's, play plays. Oh, gosh, I still remember some of my friends from McDonald's. Yeah. Like, I remember having them. So, very yeah. gregarious. I like, and, I uh, like being friends yes. with people. Relationships are important to you. Very important yes. to me. And I have so many of them. Uh, I do want to go back just a little bit uh, when we were talking about why we need middle children. Uh, he, the author quotes a psychologist that says, what few people realize is that middle children are actually more likely to successfully affect change in the world than any other birth order. I wrote down that quote <laughs> because I liked it so much. Uh, kind of funny that I'm obviously obsessed with like changing the world and that's totally my goal in life is to influence positive change. Um, I really like that quote. I think it's kind of funny. Like I, I guess I never thought that birth order would be one of those things that influences those traits in people. But I, I guess it does kind of make sense when you are kind of raised to be like this middle ground mediator, you know, whatever, how that can affect all aspects of your life. But I'd never thought about it before I read that. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is cool to think about. He does at least give some time to the fact that it could just be a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically that, you know, kind of, you know, you could say personality traits and it would meet people, but they identify it. If you say these are, you know, middle child traits and then a major, major percentage of people when those Mm -hmm. traits could apply to anyone, he does kind of go into that, but it, it has been uh, pondered, discussed, and written about so much that it, it seems to be a little more than that. And there are a lot of statistics to kind of go along with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I like that he said middle children are, when you're a middle child, it means you're defined by what you are not. Oh my gosh, you're literally just going down the list of quotes that I have here in my in my notebook that I wrote oh, that's down. Scary. Like, point by point. That's so funny. Um, yeah, defined by what you are not. Uh, and then kind of, th- this was a few paragraphs down in the article, but I feel like it relates pretty well to that. He says, uh, not the lionized firstborn, adored and groomed to succeed, and not the coddled lastborn baby who benefits from inexhaustible attention and experienced parents. That kind of relates, like, you know, defined by what you are not, because you're not either of those things. You are, what he says a little later, excluded, forgotten, shoved into role of de facto peacemaker, <laughs> taught to accept benign indifference. 
Whoa. <laughs> That's a little harsh. I know. Especially for, for me to read because, one, I have, obviously, you're my middle child. and Yes. But also because I am the baby of the family and I am the quintessential <laughs> baby of the family. Like, as mm-hmm. far as everyone has had yes, periods you are. where they had to take care of me, basically, or they felt a need to because I was, you know, I was the baby. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It. I'm sure there are lots mm-hmm. of reasons. and. I just think that it's it's kind of funny to when I was reading this, just thinking about my role as the baby of the family and mm-hmm. and how that worked. And it is, yeah. I mean, oh, uh, I I mean, I think that it affected your parenting style. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure everything affects your parenting style, but yeah, I I think that it's funny because I know that even though I have middle child syndrome so badly, I know that some of this stuff, some of this more harsh stuff, like excluded, forgotten, shoved into a role, like that wasn't true for you as a parent. I mean, I never felt like it really was, which leads me to wonder how the F did I end up with these, (laughs) this attention seeking desire constantly all the time my need to be the favorite I don't know I don't know how I ended up there <laughs> well, but I don't I don't think that it's because that I was really always treated like a cliche middle child uh, well I like the let's focus on the middle child for a while said no one ever <laughs> I've never seen that meme it's reference yeah. to a meme but uh, I thought that was pretty funny yeah. Which I don't agree with anyways, but. I know you don't. <laughs> we all know you don't agree with that. Well, I'm sure I had many conversations with your dad about, you know, Kate needs this or Kate needs that. So. <laughs> and boy, did I need a lot. Yeah. Huh? It also says that no one, that Mills were the only birth order to which no one applied the term spoiled. I'm sure someone called you spoiled at one point. I mean, it's like that. I All I think of is that office meme where they're pointing finger guns at mm-hmm. each other. I know you probably don't know what I'm referring okay. to. It's three of them in a room pointing fake finger guns at each other. And the meme became like, you know, you're labeling different people who are like accusing each other. I mean, that was me and my sisters, just each of us pointing our finger guns at each other saying you're spoiled you're spoiled you're spoiled you're spoiled well and i you're think the favorite. Any, you're the most you're the treat of the best whatever if whatever. anyone ever used the term spoiled it would be describing you and becca not you by yourself yeah yeah i guess that's so true close in age, we were yeah. so close we did get a lot of the same experiences and all of that right. stuff yeah well i will say that the last little um phrase that jumped out to me in regards to middle children specifically and what they have to deal with was um, putting up with ambient neglect. I thought that that was just a very succinct way of putting it. Cause I did feel that sometimes like not purposeful, but Danae had stuff going on and Becca is the baby. So she's always got stuff going on and there I was. Yeah, and and I don't know. I was wondering about this because you are, and I don't know if this is typical of middle children, but it was never a thing to figure out what was going on with you. You were very always very vocal about this is what's happening with me right now, even as mm-hmm. as a little one. Whereas, 
both Becca and Danae, it was like on different levels, game. like you were trying to figure out what they needed. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I didn't ever really, even now to this day, I don't really like have that like coy nature where I'm like, oh, let's, you know, let's see what I feel like today or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, but I don't really go like that. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't know. It would, that, that's an interesting, like I, I will, ah. I would like to talk to Becca and see how she feels if she's like a quintessential baby of the family. I never got the vibe that she did feel that way. Like I always got the impression that she felt like us. I mean, I don't know how true this is based on now her as an adult. I'm going more off of information of when we were younger and would talk about it, but she would always say things like, you know, Oh, I'm not, I'm not babied. I'm not treated like that. Like I'm, I'm not spoiled. I, I don't get this extra attention, blah, blah, blah. Like she resisted it. Well, I mean, that's probably though, because let's face the facts. I don't really baby anybody. I mean, that's true. <laughs> so, I mean, if she was but babied by she me. She was babied for right. you. If she was babied like, by me. Babied by your standards. Yeah, she, she could have been babied by me, but by compared to most baby children, it still wasn't being babied. Yeah, that's fair. To be honest, because I'm kind of, you know, we know how I am. We don't need to go into that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't need mm -hmm. to turn this discussion into one about me and my pull up your big girl panties and move along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely your attitude. Pretty, pretty much. And I think when I think about Becca, when Becca was the baby, she would um, have like little temper tantrums, not baby, two to five, probably two to three, two mm -hmm. to four, uh, where she would go under a table and just cry. Um, <laughs> we talked about this in the episode when we were oh. together <laughs> and how she just wanted love. Well, but she would like slap you away. If you totally. Close. But like, even I'm, she wanted you to, to push through it. To get <laughs> she there. wanted you to prove your love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, and that's my whole thing is like, Oh, she'll, you know, she'll work it out. Like I'm just, so, I mean, maybe I wasn't trying hard enough, but yeah, I mean, mine is like, okay, you're going to throw a temper tantrum. I'm going to let you have that. You deal. So, I mean, I may have mm -hmm. even pulled out the camera a couple of times and taken pictures. So, <laughs> I mean, you definitely did. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Because sometimes it would just make me laugh because she would, it was just a completely different cry and she would just get so mad. I remember at Disneyland too. I mean, I, again, I think we talked about this at the episode when we were all together. I don't really remember. But um, when she was at, when we were at Disneyland and we had that picture she was throwing a fit when we were taking a picture in front of, it's a small world, like one of the photo stops with a photographer. And you were like, well, if you don't want to be happy in this picture, then we're, like, we're not going to stop taking the picture. No. So in the picture, she's like standing off to the side, like crying. Yeah. And that was like the, the cover of our freaking family photo <laughs> album for that trip. Because <laughs> it's so funny, like looking at the picture. I mean, she hated it that we would show that to people. But like now I'm sure she sees the hilarity of it. I hope she does. <laughs> I could see Samuel doing the same thing, actually. Yeah, like, just standing me too. With his head down, like I'm... hater. 
that mean baby. <laughs> I don't think our audience knows that when Samuel was visiting and Kate was here, he did not want anything to do with Kate. I mean, he warmed up to you. He had his moments, but there were... Kate didn't understand his rules of play, basically, is what was happening. And, and <laughs> so if, for example, if you're playing Chase Samuel, you cannot reverse the direction and have him chase you. You cannot uh, grab him unless he says, catch me, kind of, or stops and lets you. Like, these are rules that he has or else it's very upsetting. And Kate would definitely not play by those rules. <laughs> Uh, not like you're making it sound like I knew those oh, rules yeah, and no, I chose to ignore but... them. There was no communication <laughs> about what those rules looked like, but also he was vastly indifferent to me from the second he saw me, which is fine to be expected, whatever. But I thought, <laughs> I thought he would get over it, and he did. He did, and then he didn't. He he was definitely playing. You wanted it too bad, and he was just like, "I'm totally in control here. I'm gonna." That's exactly <laughs> what it was. He knew how badly I wanted to be with him and give him attention. And he was like, this is too easy for me. Where's the Stop challenge? talking. <laughs> yeah, that was not funny. Oh. That was not funny. Samuel told Kate to stop talking. You were like, do you want Yaya to stop talking? No. Do you want mom to stop talking? No. Do you want Kate to stop talking? What, yes. Yeah. At one point he said, no, just you and pointed to me. <laughs> Why we're literally just at dinner, just talk. I wasn't even talking to him. We were just all talking. <laughs> it was not funny. It is because you're taking it so seriously, and he's too. Yeah, but I, I know it hurt I, your I feelings. I get to see him once a year. I only get to see him once a year. <laughs> I wanted to make good memories, and we had some fun times. Like we played in his water pool together, and he let me play with him with the trains and stuff. Like, yeah, we did have some good moments. But man, all I'm going to think about for the rest of my life is the bad ones because there was so many of them and I was the only one getting that flat. Well, it started out bad. You scared the bejeebers out of him in the morning and he didn't know what to think. Kate was sleeping on the couch and we came downstairs and she sought us out up and he got scared and he started screaming, Mom! It wasn't my fault. <laughs> No, it wasn't your fault. As a matter of fact, I'll take responsibility for that because I think I may have said, don't be scared. And so Audie, right off the bat, he was thinking about scared. I didn't realize his brain worked that way. But yeah, like I planted the seed of being scared and then it happened. Yeah. But he, but Great. he's too and you'll, you'll have better times. Better times lie ahead. Mm. I hope so. <laughs> Uh, well, <sighs> back to salty. Still. I know you are, and it's it's okay. He loves you. Mm-hmm. He just wants you to keep a distance. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> uh, he uh, he knew he was in charge. You gave him all the power. A two-year-old shouldn't be thinking like that, Mom. He's advanced. What can I say? <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, anyways. Anyways, yes, we changed Let's the conversation get away from to the not sob about story. you again because you've got ambient. Uh, ambient neglect. Ambient neglect, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Um, it's just a, my way of life. I'm used to it. Maybe that's why I'm attracted to, like, damaged men. <laughs> 
Well, I think there are a lot of firstborns and uh, babies of the family that are also attracted attracted to damaged men. So I think that's just a whole different topic that we could discuss another day. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, yeah. For sure. So we're taking the stance that it does matter if middles disappear. I mean, I definitely think so. But at the same time, I think I'll probably only have two kids. So I guess I'm part of the problem. Well, I mean, that, you don't know that for sure. No, I definitely don't know that for sure. But I, I know that I want an even number. And four just seems like so many. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, four is a lot. But I also want a boy and a girl. So, I mean, I guess if I have to go to four to get there, then I will. Hmm. I got to start now. Man, I'm so far behind. We could just blow it out of the water. I turned 28 today. Oh, my God. I'm 28. I know. You're an old lady. Yeah. I'm an old maid at this point. Like. Good thing I have a cat already. Just kidding. I hate that joke. I hate that stereotype. <laughs> oh, why did I make that joke? Edit that out, please. I don't like that. That's stupid. It's a stupid, stupid thing. Yeah, well, you did it, not me. I wouldn't even have gone there. I know. I know. I, I hate I it. I think that's oh. it. But I do genuinely feel like my time is running out for kids and a family, which I know is ridiculous. I think it's just the Mormon in me. Not I think. I know it is. I literally saw a therapist about this very thing. It's the Mormon in me that thinks that I'm my ovaries are shriveling up and dying as we speak well I think that's a societal thing too I mean at your age for your age if you were 24 saying this that's a Mormon thing see I I, I would agree with you except that it's not here in San Francisco like in San Francisco I'm at the height of my single life hmm. and I've been here for eight years or whatever so all of my 20s when I would be malleable to that like it's the culture here is very different. It is very much get married later, have kids way late, like at the last possible minute, pop one out and then you're good. Like that's, that's what you get from here. So I don't think that it's a culture affecting me as much. I think that it's really the lingering Mormon voices and my therapist agreed. Mm. So sorry. Well, uh, that just because brings us full circle back to the subject that we can't seem to get away from as religion. But we're not going to yeah. go there. But, I mean, I do think that religion impacts, like, middle children. I mean, whether or not you have middle children. Because a lot of religions are all about having a lot of kids and starting young. It's not just Mormonism. Yeah. So, I mean, that religion might just save the middle child. You it know? might. And that brings us all back to patriarchy. <laughs> Everything brings us back to the patriarchy. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't look at society without going there because why? Because society Ain't is run by men. the truth. Uh, uh, can I get a bumper sticker that says that? Uh, did you know that... That today was my birthday? I yes. know. It is crazy. Uh, there is a... I'm referring back to our article. Getting, I'm getting back to where we started because we get sidetracked. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> there was an 
In the 1920s, there was an Austri Austrian psychiatrist named Alfred Adler. Adler, mm -hmm. my bad. And he studied birth order, so clearly people are obsessed with birth order. And mm -hmm. uh, middleborns are uniquely poised to succeed. Numero uno was one thing he found uh, mm -hmm. or believed. Middles were naturally even-tempered. And hmm. due to the recognition of the injustice of their own situation, the most likely to fight against hmm. injustice in the world. Well, that's true for me for sure. Although I guess to be fair, all of your daughters have that in them. Maybe they all had injustices of different sorts. You know, honestly, um, that's a funny joke we could kind of play on, but I'm going to go serious instead. Okay. I think, I, I think back a lot to lessons you taught mm -hmm. us when we were young about you ne I guess what I'm trying to say is you never shied away from the fact that injustice existed in the world when we were young like that wasn't something that you felt the need to dance around mm -hmm. um, I remember the conversation you had with us about like racism mm -hmm. when we were young and I think a lot of especially white families don't really have that conversation as boldly or as early as we did and um I mean I remember the same conversation about like gay people and how they were treated differently things like hmm. that um and I think that that like I remember these moments very very clearly and vividly I remember exact things that you said and <clears throat> I think that it's because of that like we were so aware of injustice in the world not necessarily in our home but in the world that we knew, one, we knew how fortunate we were. Like that was never something that I feel like we actively took for granted, maybe passively, but not purposely. And two, we knew that we wanted everybody to be able to say that they were lucky. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting way too deep here or whatever, but it's, I, I mean, Danae and Becca definitely feel the same way about social justice that yeah. I do. It's funny too, because I don't, rem I remember having conversations about bullies and like trying to get you to think, well, why are, why are they bullied? Maybe their parents are mean to them at home. Maybe they are really unhappy. Like I can remember having those conversations to try to get you to kind of see mm -hmm. outside of that people act a certain way for a certain reason, not to mm -hmm. see outside of that, to see that. Um, and I remember yeah. having that conversation about handicapped people for sure. Um, Oh, there was a handicapped girl in my class. Yeah. And, uh, Becca went to a preschool with a uh, dis disabled or able, uh, disabled is fine, yeah. um, with disabled kids. Like, uh, it was a really mm -hmm. unique preschool, and, and that was pretty awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can remember that specifically, but I don't necessarily remember the racism or other stuff, but... That's funny because I don't remember the bully conversations as well as I remember the racism and the homophobia mm -hmm. ones. I guess different things just stick yeah. with you. Well, and I remember loneliness too, just kind of talking about, which is interesting because I don't, which is, I don't know why I, I get so emotional about people who feel lonely and like, uh, like if I watch a movie about someone who feels lonely or whatever, I definitely relate and I get really emotional, but I don't feel like, and maybe mm -hmm. I did and I just... I have a connection to that that I don't realize, but I don't feel like 
that's something that I struggled with. Uh, but mm-hmm. however, for some reason, I'm very empathetic to that. So mm-hmm. just, but I do remember having that conversation. I think we were watching a movie or something and, and you guys were like, why are you crying? I'm like, well, they're just lonely. Like that's just, they're just sad and lonely and it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. That nobody cares about them. And you guys were like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder why that resonates so deeply with you. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I look back on like things that I did, especially since there was, you know, one disabled girl in my class, right? And she struggled with making friends and I can remember having her over to play, but I still look back and think about moments when the class was together and somebody would say something and I didn't do something. I'm like, man, I, I wish that I could, like, I want to shake myself as a child. Like I could have done more. Yeah. I tried to be her friend and we talked on the phone and she would come over, but like, was that enough? Did it change the fact that she felt alone at school? I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're in that instance, I don't, I don't think you expect other people to stand up for you. I think that it's nice if they do, but I don't think she was like. I mean, I think maybe when you're in middle school and high school, but not necessarily in elementary school. I think you're just so. Yeah, I only remember her in early elementary looking school. Looking at yourself and like feeling self-conscious that you're not thinking about, well, my friend could have helped me. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe she hates me. I don't know. Maybe my name pops up in her Facebook recommended friends and she's like, block, don't ever let me see that girl's face again. I don't know. Yeah. It feels nice to be able to pat myself on the back and be like, well, I had her over, so I'm good, right? But like, I don't, I don't know if that's true. And I feel like I have to challenge that perception of my reality, yeah. you know? For sure. I don't know. I, I always am trying, I always try to be aware of that now in any, like when I'm on the bus, when I'm taking the train to work, whatever it might be, like, look at other things that could be going on and make sure that like if someone is being taken advantage of that I take the opportunity to speak up for them because I never want to be that person again that looks back on an instance and feels like I didn't do everything I could or I just stayed silent but you didn't raise us to be silent we've already discussed that (laughs) I refuse to be uh which is interesting because yesterday gosh yesterday I was (laughs) it just comes out (laughs) yesterday I was thinking that that's something we should talk about is speaking up for yourself because there are certain instances where I do and certain instances where I totally don't. And then I kick myself later. But anyways, that's mm-hmm. a whole nother episode. Yeah. We have so much to, to discuss, I guess. Never end. When, uh, you read this article, the middle child is going extinct. Mm-hmm. Did you think, Oh, some of the books he's referenced or something I might want be interested in? Yeah, Totally. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking about you. I'm like, I wonder if Kate... I, I thought it was <clears throat> really cool. One of the things that, uh, let's see, an author of the book, The Secret Power of Middle Children, How Middleborns Can Harness Their Unexpected and Remarkable Abilities, that that author, and I can't find her name right now, but her last... Uh, anyways, I have the title of her book, but I can't think of her name, or I can't find it in this article. She said, if any, if anybody's going to write to me about that book it's going to be a middle child who's thought a lot about their middleness and its effect on their lives which I think makes a a really important point is I don't think firstborns think as much about their position in the birth order or the youngest child as much as a middle child like Mm. they're the ones kind of contemplating I think that's definitely true yeah 
Yeah. Maybe because being an old, being the oldest and being the baby, like, is associated with pretty positive traits. Right. Like the, I don't know. The way that that affects you is pretty positive. Being a middle child can be really negative. Can be. Didn't say that it was for me. I'm just saying that it can be. Right. But, and I think that's what her book is all about, is, like, how there are good things about being the middle child. For sure. Oh, I mean, I think middle are. child get away, children often get away with more, and especially in bigger families. Uh, and Where there's multiple middle yes, children. And I think Becca would definitely say that you as a middle child got away with more, but hmm. you. I did get away with a lot. I can't even argue <laughs> it. Like when I was a teenager, I would have fought that statement, but like now I'm like, mm, yeah, fair. Okay. True. True. Yeah. I mean, I think. You got away with stuff. There's a percentage of stuff you got away with. There's a percentage of stuff I knew you were doing, but at the same time, like, it was yeah. pretty limited Choose your what I could control Choose. and what I couldn't. I mean, I think we talked about that in the sisters yeah. episode as well. Like, we, you know, we kind of touched on that. In fact, this whole episode should really just be linked back to the sisters <laughs> episode because it relates pretty well with a lot of what we said yeah. there. It's pretty validating, honestly. Well, that's good. Did you know that, in fact, 52% of presidents have been middle-borns, where we always talk about the firstborn, how they're, you know, but more... Wow, 52%? Yeah, more have been, but you usually hear just about firstborn presidents. Interesting. Oh, sorry. Um, Fascinating. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Well, and it's kind of... Maybe I should be president. Here's another thing. Is it too late to get into politics? (laughs) Here's another thing that they said, which I was completely fascinated by. 52% of presidents have been middle-borns, and that statistical prevalence of first-born presidents has been historically overstated since many of them had older sisters who were discounted. A president was considered a first-born if he was the first-born male. Wow. Well, that's just true for everything we said about the patriarchy ruling the world. Yes. True, true, true. It affects everything. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. It's kind of sad. It's kind of infuriating. All right, Mom. I think that uh, on that, let me just say, middle children are independent and resilient and if we lose them, that's a quality we're going to have to find other ways to perpetuate in our society. Well, have a good day at work and have a very, very happy, happy birthday. Thanks so much, Mom. Love you lots. This this will post after your birthday, so. I'll still post a birthday selfie on Instagram. Sounds great. I know. All of our followers are going to be really excited about it. <laughs> They are. They are. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. I don't know what I was doing when we were recording and I apologize and take full blame for some random background noises added to the list of things to do. Look at better editing software because I couldn't take it out. Hope it didn't drive you too crazy. As always, we want to give a big shout out to Dave Depper, who provides the music we use in our episodes. The song you're listening to is titled Can Can 2, and we got it from the Free Music Archive. You can check out Dave at davedepper.com.
interesting. Sorry, man. Jeez, it just comes out. Yes, it does. But that is interesting. I can't change the word on that one. That one is interesting. I'm sticking to my guns. That stresses me out. But that's a whole other thing. Good. I'll cut that out. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't cause you a little bit of anxiety. 